Welcome to Business Unmuted, the business discussion programme for the North of England, which is also available, on, also available on all good podcast sites. Of course it is. As the more observant of you may have noticed, I'm not Graham Robb. I'm Caroline Theobald, standing in for him. After the weekend's news, you, those of you who know him probably know that he's going to be rather busy this week. I love doing this. I love standing in for Graham. I'm always grateful for the invitation, particularly today, actually. I've got some fa- a fantastic pan- panel here in the studio. Kevin Gaskell, who's joining us on screen from some unknown city or a hotel, but this city picture was much better. He's known as being the youngest MD of Porsche. Um, and he then went on to, to transform Porsche, but also did exactly the same, I think, Kevin, for BMW. Um, you're known as a, a business fixer. You've gone on to advise high growth companies. And I also know that you're a great advocate of inspirational business leader, in, in, inspirational business leaders, the difference between um, success and world-class, great to world-class. I think that's the, the, the crux of your latest book published in 2017. Um, also with me, Tim Bailey, um, Head of the Practice for Excite Architecture, as the name su- suggests, um, an exciting architectural, growth architectural practice based in Newcastle, but serving the whole of the Northeast. Um, the Chair of Constructing Excellence in the Northeast, as people probably know, the one sector that came bouncing out of the, the pandemic. And a man who makes change happen positively, and I know this, I can say it because it happens in his day job, and I know it's happening in, at Constructing Excellence, which is one of the many things he chairs. Finally, last but no, no means least, Peter Snaith, um, a partner at Womble Bond Dickinson, um, and actually representing, I think you'd have the lead for the Tees Valley for uh, WBH, don't you? Um, he's also an ex-chemical sector chap, worked for ICI for a bit, absolutely passionate about manufacturing and the role that manufacturing can play and should be playing um, in contributing to economic growth. Um, So thinking about economic growth, let's think about the interesting stats that uh, David Smith was talking about in the Sunday Times at the weekend. Office for National Statistics I can't get them all off the top of my head, but I think they may be on screen, but I'm not sure we can see that here in the studio. But basically, gentlemen, if you look here, London and South East at the top, North East right the way at the bottom, showing very, very poor economic growth from 2010 to 2021, last quarter of 2021. There's been some um, flack about that on Twitter, um, led by Andrew Sisson's particularly from Nesta and other economists, say that actually if you look at um, jobs and productivity as well, the picture isn't quite as bad as that, but actually there's still an awful lot of levelling up um, needs to be done. And so I'd be really interested, gentlemen, in your views about the role that business can play in that important levelling up agenda. Um, and I think probably discussion today will we'll take that as a starting point think about the role of business in um, economic growth, how businesses can grow, particularly small businesses, because I know, Kevin, one of your specialities is using the techniques that some big businesses grow and putting them into small businesses. Um, I think I remember correctly, Peter, that not only in your very busy day job do you do what you do, but you actually advise high growth clients. Um, So you'll have a view on that as well. And of course, Tim is 
his own high growth business as well as um, being the chair of Constructing North East. Um, and I think let's look as well at the role that inward investment can play. The other thing I do want to talk about is the, um, the Lloyd survey that some of you may have seen that came out yesterday about women, women entrepreneurs, um, and it's on the autocue, thank you so much, women entrepreneurs um, and the role of women in, the North, women in business in the North East. Um, because half of all, nearly half of all women-owned businesses in the nor North Eastern Yorkshire um, are concerned about not having equal um, opportunities to grow. And we can talk about that, but actually, um, again, there's been quite a lot of coverage about that in the, in the press. Because if you've only got half of a possible workforce <laughs> being able to grow, um, again, that's going to have quite an effect on economic, on economic growth. Um, and then finally, is there another thing that we're going to talk about? Elsewhere, it says here, on my autocue? No, don't know. Right. Right, now we're moving on to the construction, the, the purchasing managers index. So, um, today, the um, figures out today, the uh, construction purchasing managers index hit a four month low. Um, falling to 56.4 from 58.2 in April. I talked earlier about the fact that construction was the only sector to come bouncing out of the, the pandemic. Tim, you're a man in construction. You're the chair of Constructing Excellence Northeast. Um, what's ga what's gaining on? Yeah, well, a significant amount, Caroline, as you, Caroline, as you might uh, have gathered from other snippets of information and news that have been uh, coming out over the last month or two, but. I think the significant challenges that are reflected in those figures are around supply chain issues, um, war, um, difficulty with imports, difficulty with manufacture, uh, skill shortage within supply chain, uh, uh, particularly manufacturing base, have all eventually caught up with those figures. And so the difficulty is twofold. You've got um, lack of product to sell into the marketplace. At the same time as inflation and other economic uh, financial pressures are forcing people to uh, make sure that they're buying just enough, um, make sure that they're putting off purchases until uh, the very last moment, and uh, trying to reflect um, what are long lead-in times, so very significantly longer lead-in times than previously into construction sites um, in budgeting. So what, what you've got in that particular uh, data, uh, which is reflecting purchasing, is a slowing down of um, the capacity which, pe which the construction industry is dealing with. That's reflected in other areas of the industry, but maybe we'll cover those uh, in other points. We, it absolutely is, because I know it's affecting all, all those supply chain, supply chain issues are big, they're writ large. but. 50%, anything above 50% is still growth, so the, the sector itself is still booming, is still doing well? Well, there's a very interesting possible explanation for that in the context of um, a general challenge and uh, the feeling on the ground that is shared by many colleagues around slowing of uh, construction productivity overall. But that's because where at Constructing Excellence we cover um, the professional cohort which is at the start of that process right through to contractors and uh, supply chain uh, people who are delivering the actual um, uh, product on site. Uh, 
And so across that piece, you've got uh, client contact uh, changing in profile, uh, scale of project changing in profile, some very difficult uh, conversations around program, uh, the length of time that the product uh, project might take. Um, and, and that won't have uh, hit the site end of that process in the earlier parts of, well, the late part of last year and the early parts of this year. That's one part of an explanation. I think the other, the other bit is that, is that um, ov overall, the industry is trying to realign itself. It's having an internal conversation about uh, how efficient it is. It's a very fragmented industry. It's well recognized. It operates on extraordinarily low margins, almost across the piece. Um, therefore, volume is key to survival. Um, and um, and offering a good product uh, to uh, client base. So uh, any minutiae in data which is dropping, even even if overall it still appears to grow, that 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 drop is affecting margins and it's affecting uh, uh, productivity. So so people are um, doing a tightening exercise right around their piece, which probably is reflected A, in those figures, but also in the attitudes on the ground uh, overall. That's interesting. And of course, the thing perhaps you haven't talked about, but I mentioned the P word, and the world of, the world of work is changing. And if you're, you know, we talked a little bit, don't we, when, Peter, when you first arrived about, you know, you were moving your office base um, into the Helix in Newcastle in 2020 and said, how on earth in 2020 do we know how many people we're going to have actually working here in Absolutely. 2022? Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's impossible to predict what we're going to be doing in six months' time. I think we are getting to that point now where people are, are yearning to be back in, um, but equally we can't afford to force it because um, when your point about the um, uh, women in the workforce actually it's transformed the, um, the the job market for our for our teams. We've got many young young parents, not just mothers, who who actually couldn't be doing their job if they if they couldn't do it from home. But actually, being able to spend some of that time at home and some of that time in the office means that actually they don't need to think about sort of stopping work or, or, or going down to part time. The flexibility that they now have has, has, as I say, transformed things. And it's sort of work well work is or buildings are community aren't they offices are community they're not just about bricks and mortar they're about far far more than Absolutely. that because actually we are on the productivity side our productivity has increased over the last year or how long it's been it's a blur now how long it's been but actually for for lawyers to be sat at desks actually doing that at home as long as you've got a, a good desk and we moved all of our all of our um, um, 1,000 people in the, in the UK uh, out in sort of in the space of a week or two. Initially, they were working on ironing boards and just making do, but actually, very quickly, they were working from from full workstations. And and now they actually, you get your good work done at home. I I can get a lot more work done at home than I can in the office. But you need you need the mix. So you go into the new office. We've got we won't have offices in the cellular offices in the traditional sense. We'll have neighbourhoods and collaboration spaces that we can work together with. So we can fire ideas off each other, but then go home and for, from, to actually get things done, do that somewhere else. It's music to architect ears, but I'm not coming to you again, <laughs> Tim. I'm going actually to Kevin, because actually you, 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 you're a business fixer, but business has changed. It's not all based in businesses anymore. It's, it's, it's changed its shape. Um, how have you managed to, um, are you, I'm sure you're having to advise people in that changing environment, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I'm listening to to um, Peter and Tim, and, and and agreeing with both of them. 
I, I absolutely believe that in order to build an effective team, and it's a team which drives the company, there needs to be opportunity for people to mix and share ideas and discuss. And I don't think, here am I talking to you through a computer, but I don't think that it has the same um, opportunity of uh, innovation and agility when, when we're speaking through a computer than we do when we're in a room and we're bouncing ideas around. Uh, but I also believe that um, having some quiet space to get on and work is is helpful. But of course, that can only uh, happen in certain companies. Um, you know, today I'm chairman of seven businesses. Three of those kind of can work on a hybrid basis, but the others are. You know, we're manufacturing companies, and you can't you can't build fiber networks from your home. You you have to go and lay the cable. So there are. I think there's a lot of gross simplification spoken about homeworking and, and for sure the ability to concentrate in certain tasks is very welcome but in other businesses it's not possible and and, and for me um, we take a case-by-case -case view um, and but we, we always have you know this is the thing I, I think um, I've worked from home for about 15 years but my office is at home but I spend time in the businesses so I think yes the pandemic has caused us to rethink and it certainly accelerated a number of businesses into uh, better utilization of technology but it's it's not the only answer so if you're asking me how i build companies we do it by making sure we have a clarity of view of where we're taking that business and to, to do that i need to get everybody together and, and really that's what we do Thank you for that. And actually talk about some of your three of your um, companies that you chair being manufacturing businesses. Again, that's a wonderful segue to uh, Peter because and in, to where we are now, we're in the heart of manufacturing country in um, England, in the, in the northeast. Manufacturing is really important, isn't it, Peter? Um, yes, obviously. Um, why is it important? Uh, and it's sort of it, you say that manufacturing is important to the northeast, and we think, well, because we're stereotyped in the northeast with manufacturing, but actually, it's not. Manufacturing is spread out across across the UK, but actually, it's just it's condensed in pockets in the northeast. And I think that's that's what helps you to realise just how how sort of vital those clusters are. Um, and 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 in this region, we've got we've got real strength in those clusters, and it and it it's the it's the ability to sort of for businesses to work together to share best practice. But they create good, good long-term jobs, well-paid jobs, and increasingly science-based jobs and tech-based jobs. So, we, we need we need to sort of transform. We need to transform the old, the sort of the older businesses by strapping on newer, the next generation of, of business of people coming into manufacturing need to realise that it's not just um, blue overalls um, and, and dirty jobs. Actually, increasing productivity means putting sensors onto onto manufacturing facilities to, to increase productivity, reduce downtime. And that's, that's almost gamifying manufacturing. Um, so I think the, next, the, the future of manufacturing in terms of the science-based side of things and the tech-based side of things, there's another renaissance just around the corner and I don't know if everyone realizes that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't see manufacturing as the old traditional, but there is, because there's still, there's still a space for that and we need um, the heavy, heavy industry, which we've got on T-side and we've got the infrastructure for it. But actually, very close alongside that are these tech-based businesses, which which can actually make a difference, and and are beginning to make a, a difference. We've got. I know that you're on the leadership team of Nepic, the processing cluster here. But you're, there's also Fuji um, Diasense. Fuji, Fuji Film Diasense Biotechnologies. Yes, that's right. Biotechnol and and actually, 
we're not just here, are we? The North East is in a global marketplace. And you've up to some quite interesting stuff, I think, with Nashville. Are you in that space? That's right, yes. I spent the last two days of, um, of just with um, Inwood Investment teams from Nashville and international trade teams from Nashville. Um, there's an enormous synergy between the North East of England and the South East of the United States. They're, they're, we're, we've got fantastic um, infrastructure, fantastic industry. Um, a great hard work ethic, but actually we're massively un unappreciated in terms of our potential and a low, and a low cost base in which to grow. But, but Nashville has been the ten, in the ten, top 10 growth cities across the U US for the last 10 years. And they've, they've been over, our, one of my partners in the, in the global business team in the States um, is based in Nashville. He's the honorary consul for Nashville. And he, he, want, he wants to build a bridge between Nashville and the northeast of England. So we've had them over at the Helix um, in Newcastle at CPI and Teesside and then this afternoon we were down at Nexus and Leeds just making them realise just what from a healthcare um, med tech um, technology and advanced manufacturing um, hotbed we are here and they're, and they're really excited by the sort of what they've seen uh, and they want to encourage businesses we want to encourage businesses over there but but we can give them the sort of businesses in the northeast a, 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 a means to connect with the opportunities over there because as I say the, the synergies are, are, are very are very stark. And that's, the, just thinking back to those stats that David was talking about at the weekend, you know, when talking gloom and doom, this is really exciting. This is a North East that's got a real future. And I know that, um, oh, I'm trying to think, North Star Venture are just beginning to, tr launching a fund which is, which is called Venture North, which is actually focusing in on some of these technologies, society tech, because we have got that, man, you know, that manufacturing bedrock, but it's been yeah. reimagined. Um, and re-engineered to actually take advantage of new technology. One of the, and that's happening in construction. I was just thinking about it, isn't it, Tim, as well, because of the, um, is it BI, I know it's letters, but the, the, built, the built environment is also benefiting enormously from improvements <coughs> in technology. Are you thinking about NBS? BIM, I think I'm thinking. BIM, oh, BIM, yeah. yeah. Building Information Management. Building yeah. Informa Information yeah. Management. Yeah, yeah. Well, BIM is a very interesting arena. Um, starts with a pencil, really, and builds up into some of the highest tech that you can imagine uh, applied to construction. We do have a centre of excellence in the northeast, um, based around Teesside and Newcastle. Um, there's uh, a lot of research goes into uh, what that um, what that space means. Applying it much more difficult and uh, there's, a, there's a step change required across both client briefs and uh, requirements into the industry just as much as there is within the industry's take up of what is available. The, the company I mentioned, NBS, which is based in Newcastle as well, but, but global, um, and around uh, product specification and um, uh, construction specification, um, they, they have demonstrated just how powerful that space can be uh, to bring cost, quality, and programming into the same space and relate it to uh, a, a model emerging on a screen built by people who know what they're doing, engineers and architects and so on, um, with data sets internally to it that, that drive that space. But um, going back to my point about fragmented industry, the same industry has two people driving around in a van who, with a big hammer uh, who will knock you up a fence or do this thing with your house or do whatever it is. And that's all part of the industry. Um, and unfortunately, it's driven heavily by cost. 
uh, and I, I think we'd all be in the same space that you know when it comes to fairly major capital expenditure whether it be in a business or at home um, you're often tempted by the lowest price and it's very important as a message uh, from us and constructing excellence is, is sort of centering on this uh, a little bit is around um, about, about the value decision so um, we have a campaign called one voice which is centered around climate uh, value innovation and people four key aspects of what we're talking about um, and, and sort of trying to say it's a whole journey not a price point that you're interested in and that whole journey involves skills development at the outset and driving people into green technologies and um, uh, you, you know new digital technologies both within construction and externally to that um, through uh, better management of the environment which has an impact on climate we hope or a positive impact on climate uh, through to the operational part of what we do in the built environment where it's extraordinarily important if we're going to meet uh, carbon targets to take out much of the um, uh, the sort of uh, energy hungry components in buildings that uh, that we've relied on in the past in the 20th century for sure for certain and funnily enough that connects back to what Kevin was talking about about that whole journey um, you know, regardless of what sector you are in, this is whole journey. It's about a culture. It's about um, a company that has that is led by that that is, that is inspired. But then um, growth comes from the either comes down from the bottom and then comes. Um, but it's everybody on the journey. Is that right, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've I've worked all over the UK. I've, I've spent eight years working in Switzerland. I've run businesses in thirty-one countries mostly remotely and so I'm not a great believer that there's a regional issue or there's a, a, a geographical issue or a gender issue I think people are people and opportunities are opportunities and and my job as a business leader is to make sure that any business I'm involved in wherever it may be has a clarity of vision about where we're going what success looks like and then everybody in the organization is fully aware of how they play a part in that and and i call that inspirational leadership it's about inspiring people so that they want to make a difference and and in my career of what 30 years now i've been a ceo or chairman um that's where i see the greatest opportunity and 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 i think you know we can talk about regional differences i'm a northerner so i do get frustrated by a lot of the london-centric conversations that go on um, but I equally believe that with appropriate leadership, great businesses and therefore economic wealth can be built anywhere in any country. You've got to have the resource to do it, but then it's about leadership to make it happen. And is that business leadership, political or political leadership or both? Well, look, the, the politicians, to my mind, need to understand business probably more than they do. Um, and I, and I do get frustrated and it's not because I want to protect the oil companies or anything like that but you know windfall tax is it's not part of a long-term strategy it's taking advantage of something that's happening at the moment and you know we all know that the oil companies have suddenly had a, a, a lucky break and they made a lot of money but a couple of years ago they were losing a lot of money so I try to look at it in the round I don't try and defend anybody what I want to see from government is a long-term strategy you know we, Brexit was about building a, an agile, innovative, creative 
um, country outside the, the strictures, as they were described, of the EU. Well, then let's get on with it. But I've not heard a lot from government of, of any of any denomination about how to make that happen. As a leader of a business, my job is to create a culture and identify an opportunity within the uh, economy as it exists to get ahead of my competitors, to build something that is innovative, where we can move quickly. And, you know, I still think, I, I've got a, a business now based in the north, um, which was struggling five years ago, I think, when I joined it, five, six years ago. And in those six years, we've built the business, we've, we've increased the scale of the business by 40, 40 times. <coughs> and we're still producing the same product as we were. The difference now is the team are really engaged. We know exactly where we're going. Um, and so we go out and we make it happen. And, and that's, that's what I do. And that's what I want to see business leaders do. And, and I'd just like to have an open conversation with government to say, help us to create the opportunity for that to happen. Get rid of some of the red tape and let business flourish. Oh, absolutely. Get rid of a lot of the red tape. So, um, nobody likes being in a place where they feel as if they're held back. This this region, actually, I'm not going to do the north-south divide because actually I think it's... There are businesses here who are doing extraordinary things and making a real difference. But it's actually sort of thinking about how how can... How can how can there be? How can we encourage more of them? I'm thinking Tim's got a successful SME in architectural practice. Um, there are lots of women in business who are finding that there are barriers holding holding them back. Um, how can we? How can we create more? How can we tell people actually to take the plunge and to grow? Because it it, it is difficult, particularly with, because we're working in a in a global marketplace where there's war, where there's shortages, supply chain issues, and all of the rest. But, and you probably know, um, Kevin, Peter, and um, Tim, that actually this, this region isn't awfully good at starting and growing businesses. Well, if I think that's the first, that's, the, that's where I would start because, you know, the 90% of, of employees in this country are employed by SMEs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the big businesses that employ 90% uh, of the country's population. And so small agile businesses are critically important. And just speaking about my own company for a minute, I've started an enterprise I've called Smarter Britain. And our objective is to support a thousand new companies in a thousand days. It's as simple as that. I want to help young people and people who may have been made redundant or stepped away or want something different to do to help them to create new businesses. Because that to me will be the lifeblood of the UK economy. It's those new businesses coming through. And so through Smarter Britain, um, we, we are helping businesses to do this. And, you know, it's not a new thing. I, I, I was part of a, a, a similar project in South Africa um, six, seven, eight years ago. And so far, we've created about 8,000 new entrepreneurs by doing exactly the same thing. It's about supporting them, encouraging them, providing them with tools and resources. And it's not all about money. It's not about funding. It's about taking the fear out of starting a new enterprise, helping people to actually get going. And so for me, I want, I want government help to, to encourage young people um, to get onto that, onto that um, opportunity to create their own business. You, know, you can't find a job or you don't want a job, work for yourself. 
I will help you to do it. And Charles Handy said that a long time ago, don't get a job, get a customer. Um, and I've always thought that's a, that, what a great way to live your life, get a customer. So just thinking about that, smart, Smarter Business, is it a platform? Smarter Britain. Smarter, smarter Britain. Britain. Is it for any, any particular um, sector or is it for anybody who wants to start a business? It's for anybody. I mean, look, it started by me driving to Manchester through some poor areas, looking at kids on the side of the road, literally, and thinking, where are they Where are they going to go and find a career? Well, how can I help them to build their own career? And so we came up with the concept of Smarter Britain. And as I said, we'd already built it in South Africa. It's been running for a number of years. So we're transposing it into this country and, and adapting it to, to our economy. But it's for anybody who feels they might want to start their own business or just to encourage them to look at that as an opportunity. Fantastic. Thank you. So we have Smarter Britain. Um, you're a lawyer. Lawyers help. Well, debatable subject this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you work a lot with high growth SMEs. Yes. Um, um, what, what, temp, what, what are they saying? What's the temperature out there? Are they finding it difficult to operate? Do they want to do more? Could there be more help? It's a, it's a, mixed, it's a mixed picture, but I think the, um, op, there's a lot of optimism amongst the SME community. I think um, we need to we need to take barriers out of their way and to to make things as, to de-risk things and make things as simple as possible. Um, we're you know we act for some of the very large organisations, but we need to make those services available to the to the small businesses. It was mentioned the other day that so Sage nineteen eighties was a two person business, but now it's clearly not, and we we need to be able to sort of to support that. Uh, that's down to some people taking risks, but it's then helping people take calculated risks. So the professional services businesses. And the uh, the other organisations in this region need to support our own to help to help take businesses internationally, for example, and and to help people to it, things fall into the too difficult box in terms of innovation that involves patents that's very expensive and high risk high risk, but it doesn't need to be. I think we need to just have the basic building blocks so that people can set up on the, on the right path with a with a toolkit, if nothing else, to help them to do that, and then then things will grow and grow. Um, it's not all about, as Kevin mentioned. It's not all about funding, although the funding for um, internationalisation funds, for example, they're, they're coming to an end at the end of this year, but we, there needs to be some sort of visibility, not huge sums of money because there's enough the government's paying out already, but there needs to be visibility about what support there will be in the longer term so people can plan for the longer term and plan for the bumps in the road. And not just visibility, but also just easier to get it because it's, it's sort of a, sometimes a bit like wading through a forest but without a machete and there's things springing up all over the place but you don't know actually what's going to help you get through. Yes, but then it's, there's the, the, I mentioned the internationalisation fund. Um, that's spent up in large parts of the country but there's still lots of money available in the North East. That's, that's a bit of a worrying statistic of the fact that it's available, it's, a, it's, free, it's free money. It's up to um, 50% of £18,000 matched funding for anything to help you take your business abroad, um, international. And, and we haven't used that, so that's, that's, we, need to, we need to make that available and get businesses to tap into it. That's good, and a word from you. I've just been told we need to wind it up from over there, my men in the, in the, in the black room. So final word from you, Tim. You run a successful business. What, what more would help you? Well, the, one of the key things, picking up on a point not yet quite made yet, uh, but very relevant, is about uh, the people coming through. So changing the entrepreneurial spirit to positive. Uh, one of the things I chair, as you mentioned at the outset, is the Northern School of Art. Mm. Um, so education, where young people need to be switched on to the idea of entrepreneurship so that they can have that mindset through not only their education, but when they're looking into the job market. 
and an awful lot of that is in the creative sector, including film and television, new, new TV studios in Hartlepool that are set to change the, uh, the, the scope of what capability in the Teesside, in Teesside. Uh, and, um, and they're not often introduced to the idea that they could be their own uh, player, they could d d drive a difference uh, under their own steam uh, with their creativity. And, and so I, I would like to spend time and see efforts put into changing that mindset at, the, at that early age, even school age. Because if you can't see it, you can't be it. And that has to start, I think, when you're about seven. So from seven onwards, it's, you know, yes, you can be, get excited about something. If you get excited about it, you can be it. And there are the people there from Sparta Britain or other programmes you know, that you can, go, you can go global. You can be who you want to be um, and deliver prosperity for this region and buck those trends. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I think we are being told that that is enough is enough. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, Graham will be back, I'm quite sure, in the hot seat next week. Um, thank you for joining me. It is available, if you would like to see it, on all good podcasts. Gents, I hope you um, got something out of sharing your time with us this afternoon. It, it was very nice to have you all. Um, and back to you, studio.